Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, and I will sing. Of the goodness of God in all my life, every voice, come on. Cause all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I So, so good With 
want to tell you about the goodness of God today. A little under a month ago, I got a call from my dad, and he told me that he, he'd been suffering from a pretty bad cough all, all summer, and the doctor finally told him to go get a, get a test done. And he, he called me and told me that they, they'd found a, a mass in his right lung. And he actually didn't tell me the full story until this week. Uh, the CT scan came back and said that he had cancer. Uh, there was a mass almost 71 millimeters in length, 21 millimeters wide. Um, and we immediately just surrounded ourselves with prayer warriors from the young adults group um, to family members and he was told to get a, a PET scan two weeks later, and during that time, we just prayed profusely and specifically that that test would come back and they would find nothing. This past Wednesday, I got a text from my dad saying the doctors did find nothing. Nothing was there. It was completely gone. This is a testimony to God listens to our prayer. He listens specifically what we ask for. If we ask for complete healing, he will give it. And this is also a testimony of faith that we had faith that God would, would heal my father because he's been going through a lot and <laughs> cancer was the last thing he needed stacked on top of his back. And I just praise God. Um, he, he's the one who gives all blessings. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. A couple of days ago, a, a friend sent me a link to a video about signs, wonders, and miracles in the last days. And I thought, that's awesome. I believe in signs and wonders and miracles. I don't think they were ever supposed to have ended, really. But anyway, God wants to restore signs, wonders, and miracles. And I was kind of thinking about that and meditating on that and saying, that's, that's an awesome thing. And then the Lord said, you know, you're going to speak on that on Sunday. I said, well, this is back to school Sunday. And my message was on how to raise godly kids in an ungodly world. He said, yeah, it's a miracle. <laughs> did, did you get that? God wants to do signs, wonders, and miracles like healings and deliverance and all that kind of cool stuff. But sometimes one of the greatest miracles he can do is is 
to have godly kids in an ungodly world, to have families that are still intact. How about that? To have husbands and wives that still love each other. How about that? Those are miracles, signs and wonders and miracles. You know, I believe there are some people in the unbelieving world that would say, I'm not a believer because I don't see any miracles going on. I believe there's probably some people like that. You guys talk about miracles. There's miracles in the Bible. My church I grew up in had stained glass windows. Jesus was doing miracles. I don't see any miracles, so I'm not going to believe. But I think there's a whole lot more people who are not believers today because they don't see godly kids, families that love each other, couples that stay together. That's the miracle that they need to see. So anyway, it's, it's signs and wonders and miracles time, and it's back to school Sunday as well. What an amazing thing. You know, I was a little shocked when I was asked to speak on back to school Sunday. You know, I'm not a teacher, never been a teacher. Uh, my kids are already grown. <clears throat> and so, first of all, I panicked, and I, I, you know, you do Google searches on Christian jokes for back to school day. <clears throat> and and I, I came up with one. If Jesus was going to his first day of school, what would his favorite school supplies be? Oh, well, that's a good one, yeah, James. A ruler, because he's the king, and an eraser, because he erases our mistakes. How about that? So... <laughs> So anyway, there, there was more jokes, but they're not any better than that one. So that's how it goes. So not only is this a message of miracles and how to raise godly kids in an ungodly world, but it's also an end time message. How many of you believe the end times? Yay. You know, the end times, that's a great thing. But you know what? It says the last two verses in the Old Testament, it's an end time miracle. It says the hearts of the fathers will be turned to the children. And the hearts of the children will be turned to the fathers. Otherwise, I will strike the land with a curse. Yeah. So if you ever wonder why America's struggling, why Charlotte is struggling, why so many people are struggling, why there seems to kind of be a curse, it's because the hearts of the fathers need to be turned to the children and children to the fathers. There's so many households that have absentee fathers that aren't around, that took off, that went off with their secretary, went off with somebody. They're not around. And so the hearts of the fathers are, are not there. And there's other households where the father's there, but might as well not be. And so God wants to change that. He wants to, to do something in the last days in our homes, what an amazing thing. And lastly about that is, you know, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preached from the book of Joel. And he said, in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Isn't that something? So that's a last days message, but it's a family message. It's a kid's message. Our sons and daughters are not just supposed to take up space, not supposed to just be good citizens of America. They're supposed to prophesy. They're supposed to serve God. They're supposed to represent God's kingdom. How about that? Let it be, Lord. Help us, Lord. And then I had a lot of reservations about this message. 
And one of them was, I, I, I don't, I, you're supposed to have stories to tell. I believe in stories. How many of you like it when people tell stories? I mean, it's a good thing. You know, Hank did a great job telling stories you know, from his life. And I, I, I told my daughter, Abby, who lives in New Zealand, I said, I don't have any stories. I don't have any back to school stories. And she said, well, dad, don't you remember? My first day of middle school, I put on a whole bunch of self-tanning cream. It looked really good on mom. It looked really good on my, my sister, Molly, who's here today. And I'm going to put on this self-tanning cream. I'm going to really impress those middle school kids. Well, she put way too much on, and some places didn't have any because she couldn't see back there. And so basically, the bottom line was this. She looked, she turned orange, and she looked striped. It was like, it was like an orange zebra or something like that. Now, orange people are popular today with some, some people, <laughs> but not so much back in the days of middle school for Abby. <laughs> orange was not a becoming color. So she goes to school the first day of middle school, and she got teased mercilessly. They say, what happened to you? You look ridiculous. You, you look orange. <laughs> what is going on? She came home. And she said, I want to be homeschooled. <laughs> and we actually did. We were homeschooled, all because of the self-tanning cream. Well, anyway, first day of school, you, you know, you want to put your best foot forward, not so much there. Well, another thing, I had another really big problem, a couple other big problems about this. One is I realized not all of you have kids. Some of you don't want kids. Some of you aren't even married. I realized, and, and I want this message to apply to everybody, and I believe it will by the time we're done. Another thing I really had a problem with is I remembered some of the messages I've heard about how to have a good family, how to have a good marriage, how to have great kids. And most of the time, with not this church, but other churches, all it did was make me feel bad. Have you ever heard a message like that? Maybe if some of you that are on Facebook, you look and it says, I married my best friend 20 years ago. Well, look how hot she is. And I, I uh, look at my kids. Look how happy we are. Look how fantastic. And I think that, that's the way some, some of the messages were uh, about kids and families and, and all that stuff. It was like this amazing, incredible thing. And of course, as a pastor, I knew the reality of some of those people <laughs> that were on Facebook. And it wasn't so perfect. But this message is not geared, and I will not try to make you feel guilty. In fact, the next slide uh, shows something we need to talk about before we get into Luke chapter 2. Before we get into Luke 2, about how Joseph and Mary parented Jesus. You ever think about that? That's an amazing story. Joseph and Mary parented Jesus. But before we get to that, I just have to briefly mention this parable, the parable of the perfect father. Now, some of you Bible scholars, you say, I've never heard of that parable. Never, never heard that. That doesn't ring a bell. The perfect father? I've never heard of that. Well, of course, it's Luke chapter 15, what we call the prodigal son story. But you know what? Here's an interesting thing. It never, the Bible never calls it the prodigal son story. Unless the subheadings that are added later, some of them say the story of the prodigal son. It doesn't say that. The Bible just says, a man had two sons. 
The interesting thing about the story is the father in that story represents God. He was the perfect father. And guess what? The perfect father had two, not just one, two dysfunctional sons. How about that? And so if you're, if you're a parent and you say, man, I don't know. I don't know how my kids turn out so dysfunctionally. Well, you're in good company. God had the same problem. And so the younger son, you know the story. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Someday we need a whole sermon. The younger son said, give me my inheritance. He went off. He went into partying, prostitutes, and ended up in a pig pen. That, that's the worldly kind of thing. And some of you have known people like that. But then on the other side, there, there's the self-righteous son. He was there all the time. He worked hard. He was honorable and true and, and perfect and religious, we could say. But you see, he was dysfunctional too. Because when his brother came home, he couldn't rejoice, couldn't enter the party. And, and so he had his problems as well. So there are all kinds of dysfunctions. And, and rather than condemn somebody that's kids are not doing well, let's remember it's grace, grace, grace. The, the prodigal kind of guy, he needed grace, but he realized he needed grace. He was in the pig pen, right? But then there's the self-righteous son, and he basically says, I never did anything wrong. I'm perfect. You, you should do this for me. You should do that for me. You know what you call that? Entitlement. We have a whole generation, a whole civilization now of entitlement, you see? And grace means you're not entitled. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve the goodness of God. You don't deserve the love of God. But Jesus died on the cross to show you that God loves you anyway. He loves you just the way you are. When God, when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. You need grace. And we need to have grace for parents that are struggling with their kids because they need grace as well. Hey, I'm not a perfect father. My daughter, Molly, if we really had a few more hours, she could come up and say all the things I'm wrong about. But um, I try. Well, anyway, here we, here we go. The parable of the perfect father, well, here's the next one. So, so think about if you were Joseph and Mary. And, and the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and basically says, I have good news. And I have bad news. <laughs> the good news is you're, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. He's going to reign and rule. He's the Son of the Most High. He, his kingdom is going to have no end. That's the good news. But that's also the bad news. How would you like to have the, the responsibility of bringing up the Son of God? But that's what happened. And it's interesting, the very, you know, when angels show up, they usually say this, do not be afraid. They scare the bejeebers out of you, and then they say, don't be afraid. And you know what I notice about, particularly when I talk to young people, and they're thinking about raising kids or having kids, some of them say, I don't know if I want to have any kids. It's just too scary. The world's too much of a mess. I, I, I don't want to bring kids into this kind of world. <laughs> and, you know, people have probably been saying that for a long time now, but even now more than ever, perhaps. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You've found favor with God. You know, sometimes with our kids, we don't always feel like it's favor, <laughs> probably, but it's favor with God. You say, well, it must be easy to, to have Jesus to parent. He's perfect. <laughs> 
No, not so much. It wasn't so easy necessarily, but we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. So parenting principle number one, do your best to grasp God's unique vision for each child. See, you probably won't have the angel Gabriel come and tell you what your child's destiny is going to be. Probably not. But it's your responsibility to, to see, to discern, wow, bring up a child in the way they should go and they won't depart. And so each child has a unique calling and destiny. I have a friend and he, uh, he played basketball in college. And uh, he had a son, and of course, he wanted his son to be a basketball player. Well, his son became a swimmer, became an Olympic swimmer, you know? And, and so the point of the matter is, we have to do our best to say, God, what is your calling for this kid? Are they an athlete? Are they an astrophysicist? Are they going to, uh, I'm kind of into nuclear fusion right now. I think fission was kind of a problem, but fusion, you know, that could... Anyway, that's a whole other matter. But <laughs> do you know, do you pray, do you have a vision for each kid? And the interesting thing is they're all different. I had one kid, Molly, and I thought, I got it figured out now. And then I had Abby. Man, she's so different. And then I had Ben. Oh, my goodness, that was so different. So, so do you know, do you have a vision? Have you asked God for his vision for your kids and grandkids, let it be. So, principle number one. Next one is, oops, go back, yep. When Joseph and Mary had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. Every year, his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. Well, this is an interesting thing, and we can go to the next slide. Um, you will impact your children much more by your consistent example than by your words of instruction. In other words, it'll tend to become what you do much more than what you say. Um, so, there's a few of us old guys that remember who Bob Mumford was, and uh, he used to have something, and you won't understand this either if you're young, because those diseases have gone away, measles and mumps. He said, if you say you have the measles, and you really have the mumps, what are people going to catch? The mumps. They're going to catch what you have, not just what you say. Well, see, Joseph and Mary, it says, every year went to Passover, and they did everything according to the law. That means they, they had him circumcised. They had him dedicated. So when Jesus was growing up, he saw his parents not just talking about stuff, not just talking about religious stuff, but by doing it, by obedience. And that's a really important thing. Uh, help us, Lord. We need to model the things that we're talking about. So... When Jesus was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. Here's the custom again. What are the customs of your family? Do you have any godly customs? I mean, these people had godly customs. In other words, the custom is something you do all the time. It's something you do regularly. It's something you do faithfully. You know, some people show, they say, I'm a part of this church. I'm a part of that church. They show up once a month. You know, some of them once a year, you know, Christmas and, and Easter, maybe Thanksgiving. These people were faithful. And so Jesus turns 12 years old, which is 
12 years old is kind of a pivotal time, you know, in the Bible, but just in, in general. You know, I, I read something recently. They did a survey. They said, you will spend as much time with your kids up until the age of 12 as you will the rest of their life. Isn't that something? Because after 12, they'll have friends, they'll have activities, they might go to college, different things will happen. So those first 12 years are really, really important. But look what happened there. So so they went to the festival, and oops, we're still on there. And it says they they returned home, they were returning home, and Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. This is something, this really convicts me. Because they were doing religious stuff. They were, they were doing the Passover and they were returning home and everything. And, and they're, they're going back home. And all of a sudden they realize, um, where's Jesus? Have you seen him? I thought you had him. No, I thought maybe he's back with, with some of the, the people. You know, we had friends and relatives. We had different people coming. Where's Jesus? I'm really convicted by that because sometimes we're so caught up in religious activities that we don't ever really say, well, is Jesus really with me? Or am I just doing religious stuff? They're doing religious stuff and Jesus is back in Jerusalem. Oh, help us, God. So every so often, we got to assess, hey, I'm doing religious stuff, but Jesus is with me. You know, he's with us always and all that stuff, but he is with us. He's, he's blessing us. He's, his presence is here because without his presence, all the religious stuff will amount to nothing. Apart from him, we can do nothing. Don't leave Jesus behind. Wow, what, what an amazing thing. So parenting principle number three, Recognize the different seasons in your child's life and when to loosen some of your control. This was age 12. It's a new season. One of the things my son Ben says to me every so often, he says, Dad, I'm an adult now. I'm not a three-year-old. I'm not (laughs) four-year-old. You know, it's good to be reminded every once in a while, right? It's good to be reminded that, hey, it's a new season. Jesus now is going to be in the temple talking to the religious leaders. It's a different season. He's not not a little kid anymore. He's not just, here's something. He's not just the carpenter's son. I bet bet Joseph delighted in the fact that his son Jesus was a, a, a great carpenter apprentice just like him. Pretty cool, huh? But that wasn't Jesus' main calling. Sometimes we do stuff to make money and, and whatever, but that wasn't his main calling. And so it's a new season. It's age 12. Uh, he's with the religious leaders, and it's time to kind of let go of some control. Boy, that's a tough one, you know, because they're not three anymore. You know, your kids are growing up. How do you relate to your adult children? It's, it's an experience. It's different. So, number, not a number, but anyway, assuming he was with the traveling party, they went a day's journey, and then they began looking for him among the relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. Now, look at this, this this principle here, parenting principle number four, strive to create a wholesome group of relatives and friends who are a safe environment for your children to be with. They assumed, even though Jesus was gone missing, they assumed that he was probably with these people that had all gone to Passover with them. That's a really good thing. 
But you know, I was talking about my message a few days ago with a friend, and he was saying how his kids got in trouble while the time they were homeschooling. And some others I know got in trouble when they were in a Christian school. We, we strive to have a nice, safe environment, but the reality is we got to be careful, diligent. We have to be watchmen. We have to be shepherds that are watching over our flock. And uh, bad things can happen among relatives and friends in homeschool and Christian schools. Any of you had that experience? Help us, Lord. Well... <laughs> Let's see the next one here. After three days, anybody see the significance of that? (laughs) All the way through the scripture, there's this kind of phrase. After three days, Jesus disappeared for three days. That's interesting. He kind of did that later on after he got crucified, right? Three days. So after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. You know, it's interesting. Jesus always astounded people. All the way through the Gospels, it says they were astounded, they were bewildered, they were amazed. That's the way the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to do amazing things. There's supposed to be amazing wisdom, incredible things. Unfortunately, we don't see that enough. So I want to point out something that's really important. Let's go back to that one. They were ta- he was talking to, to the religious leaders. That's interesting. They had brought him up in 12 years to have a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, to, to see um, what the scripture said. They had done a great job to age 12. But it got to a certain point when he needed input from some other people, like the religious leaders, even though they weren't always right. But anyway, it was a good, good time to, to increase. So that's interesting. It's almost like Jesus went to school. But here's an interesting thing. The religious leaders were not his parents. I don't care how good of a school you got, how good a homeschool, how good of this, how good of that. Only you are the parents. And and that is so, so important. Right now, there's a battle going on. The government thinks it's your parents, the parents of your kids. The government is is not the parent. You're the parent. You're responsible. Oh, just put them in a Christian school. The Christian school's not their parents. They might be some good teachers. We just prayed for some great teachers. But they're not the parents. You're the parents. And and parents need to take responsibility. And that is such an important, important thing. Wow. So, I don't know if that's the next one, is it, Sal? Okay. (laughs) Go up one here. Here we go. When, when it, oops. There we go. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. Again, here's those things, astonished. His mother said to him, son, we have, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. First of all, we see Joseph and Mary and Jesus were not really fully in alignment at this point in time. Now you say, well, that's bad. Jesus might, he, he seemed kind of rebellious there. No, he's not rebellious, but here, here's an interesting thing. In, the, in the, the growth of every child, one of the first words, actually, that they learn is what? No. <laughs> My precious granddaughter, dear Claire, she, she would never say that, but no, you know. But you see, that's not all bad, is it? 
Because when you get older, when you're tempted to, to lose your purity or to, to take drugs or to go with the wrong people, one of the most important words you could ever know is no. And so that's part of our development. You don't want a yes person. You don't want a person that's just compliant all the time. I'll just go with what, whoever wants me to go here or who wants me to go there. No. Some of us in ministry need to learn to say no. You know, because it's easy to be a people pleaser. It's easy to want everybody to like you and you, you want to come and help me do this and come help me do that. Sometimes the answer is no. <laughs> well, anyway, I don't know who that's for other than me. I know it's for me. <laughs> but, but I love this part too. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And look at the next slide. Peace comes when we entrust our children to the Lord. Abraham put Isaac on the altar. There's a way in which on a day-by-day -day basis, we need to put our kids on the altar and say, Lord, he or she is yours more than just their mine. They're yours, Lord. Wow. <laughs> Trust the Lord. That is that's an amazing thing. <clears throat> well, Jesus said, why were you searching for me? He said, didn't you know? That's an interesting thing. Of course you knew. I would, it was necessary for me to be in my father's house, but they did not understand what he said to them. That's interesting. Jesus is teaching his parents. Have you ever had a time when you're... you're Hank told a couple of great stories about Jacqueline. You know, in his message, Jacqueline had to teach him had to teach Kim, isn't that something? We don't have to feel bad about that. That's a great thing. Your kids can actually have wisdom to teach you. So here's Jesus saying, you know, it's my father's house. You know, a number of people, when I came in today, they heard I was preaching. They said, where's your black bag of props? Now, some people rejoiced because I did not have a black bag today. They don't like my props. Other people were... were puzzled or confused or sad. Well, I don't have a black bag, and I just have one prop. And I've been giving this out to whole lots of people. I, I give it out like candy. I got some, some more if you need one today. This is a compass. Everybody needs an internal compass. I love compasses because I could go over here, I could go over there, I could go all over the place, and the needle always points to true north. You see, if you know where true north is, all the other directions in life, all the other decisions, all the other confusing, swirling things, it all comes about okay if your needle is pointing true north. You see where I'm at with that? And the Holy Spirit's kind of like that. You know, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. You know, God's word is like that, true north, you know. But there's a lot of other things that are going to try to influence the needle, but you've got to come to a place of peace, particularly in times of confusion, particularly in times of temptation. Lord, God, I want to get back to true north. Wow, man. If you need one of those, let me know. Some, some of you need reminded on a daily basis, God help us to be true north. Well, where are we at here? <clears throat> the Father's house. 
you know, point to the Father. The Father is true north. In prime, the vertical line is where everything starts. We're almost done here. Your most important rule as a parent is to point your child to a vital relationship with their heavenly Father. Now, sometimes other people have a role in that process, but it's all about that vertical line. Thank you, Lord. Next one. <clears throat> then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased. Here's the crescendo verse, the final verse of chapter 2. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Boy, I love that. That is, that is such an incredible verse. First of all, if I would say to you, what in your life do you want to increase? Here, here's a free pass. You can increase anything you want to increase. A lot of people would say, I want my bank account to increase. This is kind of shallow lately. I want my 401k to, to increase. I want my relationships to increase. I want more friends or better friends or whatever. I want an increase there. But think about it. There's nothing more important that you would increase in wisdom because Proverbs says, get wisdom, get understanding. It's more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than silver. If you have wisdom, all these other stuff, you know, the finances and the friends and the houses and the lands and the cars, all the other stuff comes into focus because you have wisdom from God. Mm -mm -mm. Help us, Lord. So this is kind of a memory verse. You parents are going to going to get it uh, when you get your kids. And if you need some extra ones, I got some extra ones. But just think about it. Let's, let's say it kind of together. Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and people. Wow. Wow, isn't that great? So the last uh, principle here continually assess whether your child is increasing in wisdom, stature, and favor. And here's something you say, well, I don't have a child. <laughs> Continually assess whether you are growing in wisdom, in stature, and in favor. Are you? One of the great things about Prime is it's an assessment. You know, there's, there's five things uh, in, in the Prime model. Relationships. Prayer, relationships, instruction, maturity, engagement. Are you growing in those things? Every so often, we have to do an assessment. We're supposed to increase. Let's get back to that word, increase. There's supposed to be an upward trajectory. Right now, you might be in the pits. You might be in the bottom of the barrel. You, you might feel like you're, you, know, you just can't hardly get out. But if your trajectory is an increase, there's hope. There's great things. In every area of our life, I pray that you would find an increase. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.